0: 2 Corinthians 5, we're already on the air. I know a bunch of people are at home watching. Hi guys. Um, We're going to be taking a look at the end of chapter 5. We didn't get to finish it last time. And I didn't want to rush through the last few verses of the chapter because they are some of the neatest scriptures that we have in all of the New Testament. Um, So we're going to be taking our time this morning to finish up this chapter. Ozzy did a great job last week. Uh, taking us through Chapter 6. If you haven't caught that, you can go to our website and uh, watch that or listen to it. Um, there on our podcast stuff. If you guys are at home, I would love for you to share this morning's message. I think this is one of the most important for us as believers and also non-believers because I think there's a lot of people who don't really understand why we're here. Um, It's easy to live a life that is amiss, But God has created us for a purpose, and that purpose is to bring his glory. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we want to pray and ask of you once again as we open your word. uh, We want you to find hearts that are open, that you'd speak to us this morning very clearly. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would give us understanding and clarity. Jesus, we are so grateful for all that you have done for us. We thank you that you are very much alive that the hope that we have in you is not a wishful thinking. It is for sure. You really did come and live a life we couldn't, died in our place, and rose again. and You promised to come again. We so look forward to that day. But until then, Lord, we're going to keep doing what you asked us to do. We want to be open to your marching orders once again this morning as we look to your word. Let us not just be hearers of it, but doers also, for your glory. Amen? So I want to start by quoting C.S. Lewis. How many of you guys have read some C.S. Lewis in your life? Pretty good stuff. One of my favorites. Um, he said this, It costs God nothing, so far as we know, to create nice things. Okay, You think about all things that have been created. God just spoke that. But... To convert rebellious wills cost him crucifixion. That's a grand thought. There's a lot of implication there for you and I to really think through that reality and that truth. All that God did to save mankind, to redeem mankind, he went to great lengths to do that. And there was only one way that that could be done. We'll get into it first of all i want to jump back to verse 11 with you guys we considered persuading men last time we looked at chapter 5 together and that's something as christians we want people to come to faith in christ because if you're truly born again of the spirit of god if you really know jesus if you believe the gospel how can you want to keep that to yourself if you know that there is a cure for sin don't you want to share that with others amen Isn't it a hard thing when we get news that a loved one has an illness, cancer, something, your heart instantly sinks, you pray, your heart goes out to them and their family, and you wish there was something that you could do, and a lot of times there's nothing to be done. Sometimes you get news, it's terminal, this is it. But if you had something or knew something that could help someone who is terminal, would you just keep it to yourself because you wouldn't want to interfere you'd want to help them wouldn't you and that's why the scriptures tell us if we were truly believe the gospel we're to persuade men if someone was about to die but i had a pill a cure something that could help them i would get in their face a little bit and say you know what <laughs> you might not believe this but there is a cure If you just take this, you could be made well and live. And I'd be pretty persistent. Wouldn't you be pretty persistent with somebody if you knew they were about to die and you had the cure to give to them? Yeah. And that's the same thing, eternally speaking. That's the truth of the gospel. That's why we want to persuade men, right? It's not about us being right. It's about men are going to hell unless they come to faith in Christ. That's what the Bible says, but there's a very real cure for mankind, for our fall, for our sin. There is forgiveness to be had, and that's why we share the gospel. We do it because we do love people. It's because we know there's hope, and that's why we want to persuade men. And we're willing to be a little weird. We considered last time that Christians get a little crazy once in a while. They're beside themselves. Why? because we've been called to be set apart. We're no longer of this world. We have come to know truth. We have been set free. We know there's forgiveness. And because of what Jesus has done, and who he is, and we are now in him, we're gonna live differently. They even said of Jesus, you're out of your mind. The followers of Christ, they're all crazy. And the same's going on thousands of years later. People love to say, hey, look at that Christian. They're nuts. I just encourage us not to be the weird Christians, okay? We can be crazy for Christ, just don't be weird. You guys know what I'm talking about? There's a difference. Crazy for Jesus, not weird. What I want to look at is verse 17 is where we're going to pick up this morning. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. And how many of you guys can say I can testify to this scripture being true? I was once blind, lost, and I've come to faith in Christ. I've been, what the Bible says, born again of the Spirit of God. Things truly have become new. Old things have Passed away. I'm a new creation in Christ. And that's what we need. There are people who try to be good in this life. They try to reform themselves, but that can only take you so far. You're still going to be held by the grips of sin. You are held because you haven't been set free. And only God can set a person free. And that's what His Spirit does. When a person is born again in the Spirit, you have new desires, ambitions. You're able to see things. The things that held us. The things of this world. The sin that so easily ensnared us. Christ has set us free. We don't have to sin anymore. We actually have a choice now. And that's a beautiful thing. And I so love the scriptures. Over 160 times Paul uses this term, in Christ. And that's the only thing that matters in this life. Are you in Christ or not? Because when all is said and done, That's all that's going to matter. John 17, 3, you guys can jot it down. This is eternal life, that they may know the one and true living God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. That's eternal life. There's a lot of people who are Christians, but they are not a new creation. A lot of people give lip service to being a Christian. I do this, and I'm going to heaven because I did that. That's unscriptural. The Bible says the only way you get into heaven is knowing Jesus. Do you know him? Saturday morning, Thursday morning, Thursday morning. Shalom, when did we read through John together? I don't remember. Shalom read all the John chapter and verses to me, like chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 2, verse 2, chapter 3, verse 3. And she read them all for me. And they're all really cool verses in the Gospel of John. When she got to John 3 3, it's where Jesus says, You must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Those words are in red. Jesus wasn't joking. That's the only way you can get into the kingdom of God. You must be a new creation. This is what Paul is talking to us about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And if we are in Christ, and how does a person become born again? They must repent and believe. It's that simple. There's nothing you can really do because Christianity is all about what God has done. Jesus did it. Do you believe it? So if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. You have new desires, new passions, new things to live for, a new way of looking at the world. It's no longer about yourself. The things you once treasured, they don't even compare to Jesus. You have never known someone like him. You've never experienced love and forgiveness and peace like you do when you come to Christ. So I want you guys to jot down Romans 6. Your homework is to read through that chapter later today or sometime this week. But it's going to talk about us as believers. If you've really come to faith in Christ, we should be walking in a way that we're walking in the newness of life. Because I know too many people who've come to faith in Christ, but their lives don't change. They continue to live the way they've always lived. They never walked in the newness of what they have in Christ. Because all things become new. Well, we should walk in a new way then if all things are new. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to consider a man by the name of Augustine. How many of you guys have heard of him before? Last time we looked earlier in this chapter, we considered we can be called saints, right? The scriptures refer to believers as saints, and it's really cool. I got an email or a text yesterday from St. Patrick. I loved it so much. Uh, he's fixing our uh, snowblower here at church, and he referred to himself as St. Patrick. I'm like, hey, he got it. I hope you guys are grasping that reality, because if you're in Christ, you are a saint. You might not feel saintly, but again, our standing in Christ isn't based upon how we feel. And don't people base a lot of what they believe in their faith upon how they feel? Right? Think about that. I talk with people all the time. Well, I feel this is the way. I feel good about this. You know? Well... I feel you're wrong, but it doesn't matter what you feel, and it doesn't matter what I feel. (laughs) What is the truth? Because we all might have different feelings, and we don't get to sit before God someday and say, Hey, I'm here, and I felt this was the way to get to heaven. And because I felt this way, God, you got to let me in. Do you think that's going to roll with God? No. God gets to call the shots. And Jesus made it very clear who is God. He says, I am the way. No one gets to the Father except through me. So Augustine, why did I bring him up? Well, before he came to Christ, he was a young man who enjoyed the wilds of the world very much. And there was a gal who cried out, Augustine, he starts running away. And she calls out again, Augustine, it is I. And I want you guys to catch this. He's running away. He yells back to her and says, but it is not I. The old Augustine is dead. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I love that mentality. He grasps the reality of, hey, I'm not the man I was. And that's the thing. When we see people come to Christ and they're radically changed, you ever bump into somebody you're like, hey, what happened to you? haven't seen you in a while. You're radically different. What happened? Well, I came to know Jesus. That's what happened. And don't we love testimonies how God changes people's lives? It's because he makes us new. Let's look at verse 18 together. He says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through who? It's through Jesus Christ. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, we, in the West, we have a good understanding of what reconciliation is. Okay, There's sometimes, when I study the Bible, and especially get into the Hebrew and the Greek, there's sometimes we miss the understanding of a word. Okay, it's just there's so much more depth and more understanding there, but our English language is so limited in a lot of ways. But this word reconciled is one of those words that we really do grasp well here in the West. Okay, we talk all the time, oh, did you and your wife reconcile? We understand what that means, we get a grasp of this word. And what God is telling us in these scriptures here is he's called us to himself through Christ Jesus to a ministry. And what is that ministry, guys? It's the ministry of reconciliation. You want to know what your calling is? Why you're here as a Christian? It's to be a minister of reconciliation. God is using his church, his people, to reconcile this world to himself. That's why we're called to fulfill the Great Commission, right? And what's that? Well, Jesus said, go into the whole world. You go, make disciples of all the nations, teaching them all that I've said. You go share the good news. Go make disciples. That is what we're called to do. Why? Because that's part of the ministry of reconciliation, isn't it? We need to go tell the world. When's the last time you had someone come up to you and share Jesus with you? You know, I wish more people cared. A lot of Christians out there, but not a whole lot sharing their faith. But I do have to say, it's normally the Christians who are sharing their faith. How many of you guys have ever had a Muslim come up to you and try to convert you? They don't care. They're actually told from their God that they should kill the infidel, the non-believer right? Think about all these different faiths of the world. Why aren't they sharing? Because religion gets goofy, guys. There's not a whole lot of good news in religion, because every religion in the world says you have to be good enough and do something in order to get to heaven to be right, and we can't do that. That's one of the reasons, guys, if we consider religion in itself, Religion is man's feeble efforts to be reconciled to God. But can anybody be good enough to actually do it? The Bible says we've all fallen short. Every single one of us. And that's why Christianity is different than every other religion in the world, right? Do you guys know that biblical Christianity is the only religion that teaches that you can't save yourself? The only one. All other religions in the world say you have to do something, but man can't do it. We have all fallen short. That's why God had to come. I love Revelation. It doesn't say that before God even created the worlds, Christ was already crucified. Like he understood that man would rebel in sin, but God, being faithful, because he has love in his heart and compassion for his creation. He was willing to come to reconcile, to redeem us. And We're about to get to one of the coolest scriptures in all the Bible, but the reality of this is what we get to share with the world. And we need to be sharing this, because this is the hope the world's looking for. Because you ask anybody that's in a religious system, and you start asking real questions, they have a wishful thinking that they're good enough, that they've done enough to make it to heaven someday. There's no guarantee. And that type of thinking has crept into Christendom too. We need to be very careful. That's why the Bible warns so much against legalism. That's why we read the scriptures, guys. It renews our thinking. It gets us right. Because the only one who is right is Jesus. And that's why we are to look to him. That's why he is the savior of the world because we can't save ourselves. And this is a beautiful ministry God's called us to is sharing this truth with the world. We get to do that. He's called the church to do that. CNN isn't doing it. Okay? The news, best news of all time, they aren't sharing this truth. The church is called to do this. And this is where we, church, need to have a missionary mindset. Amen? Okay, There's a reason why at Freedom Fellowship we don't have membership. I think that's a disservice because we are living in a very warped time (laughs) in church history, especially here in the West. I feel like our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world have kind of grasped the missionary mindset of the church. We are called to fulfill the Great Commission. Let's go. The church here in the West is more like, come and see. (laughs) Look at our nice building. Look at our nice programs. You could be a member here and be a part of our little club. Is that scriptural? I don't see that in the Bible. And that's why we have so many people hop in churches all the time. If I go over here, I'm going to get that out of that church. They're going to be able to do this and that for me where God has called what the body of Christ to what? To serve. You guys are to serve. You are to be light and salt. You are to go into your communities. You are to love your neighbors. You are to be about the ministry of reconciliation. And biblically, the church is called for one thing, the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. That is what the church by God is called to do. And God has told us we do that through the preaching of God's word, simply what we do here every week. We just keep walking through the Bible. Why? Because God said this is what is needed for us, and we are to be called. And I want to encourage you guys. Well, first of all, I want to apologize. I wish I was able to bring more language, clarity to this missionary mindset for the church. I know it's a working of God's spirit. I know it's in my heart. But sometimes I have a hard time communicating that. Because a lot of times, what does that type of life actually look like? It's a life that is a life of sacrifice. It is a life that is called not to live for oneself any longer. All things become new. You now live a what? A crucified life. I now follow Jesus. This is my new life. And he asked me to deny myself and follow him. And when we go through the scriptures, people don't like the reality of sacrifice. Life is not about me anymore. No. <laughs> life for the Christians is now about following Jesus. And what is Jesus up to? Jesus is on a mission, isn't he? Check out John 16 later today. What is he doing today? Well, we know we have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit there, one. And the Spirit today is convicting people of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. He's convincing the world of truth that they need a Savior. That is what he is up to. And he calls us to partner with him to come into that ministry with him. But that takes sacrifice. That takes heeding his word. Not just hearing this. I think everyone in this room would probably say, yeah, I agree with everything that you're saying, Pastor. It's right here. You're not making it up. It's the Word of God. But it's a whole other thing to do what God says, isn't it, guys? That's where our faith gets real. And what if we really did do what God called us to do? What if every Christian just this next week took this calling to this ministry of reconciliation, seriously? What if every Christian would go and just share their faith with one other believer this week? I mean, another person who's not a believer. How many people would come to faith? You know how many people I've talked to over the years, shared the gospel with them? Some have even gone to church their whole lives. they're like, I never heard that before. I never knew, I just thought because I went to this church and I was a good person, I was gonna get to go to heaven someday. I didn't know the Bible taught that. That's not how you get there. I didn't understand why Jesus had to come into this world. What if we took our calling serious? What would happen? So, I got a minute. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I was chewing on it uh, last night middle of the night. Do you guys know that there's about 1,500 prophecies that have been fulfilled in the scriptures? Think about that. There's a lot of religions in the world, okay? A lot of different belief systems in the world. They all contradict themselves, so they all can't be true. There's only one that can be true, and only God is the one who's truly true. And I love the prophets. I love Isaiah, specifically, in chapters 45 and 46. He tells us that he alone is the one who can tell the future. And he actually challenges all other gods. If you're God, tell the future. Do you know that there's about 26 major people of faith in the world that have a book that they would say it's divinely inspired, that God authored it? 26 of them have a book. Billions of people follow these different beliefs. And they all contradict themselves. I've read most of them. They contradict themselves. How do we know what's right? Well, the God of the Bible says, I alone am God because I can tell the future. I challenge all you other gods. If you're God, tell the future. That's what Isaiah 45 and 46 says. Do you guys know that there's not one fulfilled prophecy in any other one of those books? Not one. One. And yet, here we sit with not just a few. Oh, we could have guessed that would have happened. (laughs) But there's been over 1,500 fulfilled prophecies and hundreds more that are going to be fulfilled. Jesus, when he first came, fulfilled 310 specifically. The only way that can happen, guys, is if God is really God and he has spoken these things, and he's chosen to reveal what he's revealed for a purpose. And we get to share this with the world, guys, because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And we get to share. God did come just like he said he was going to come, because man rebelled just like God said he would. And he was redeemed them by dying just like he said he was going to do for mankind. A perfect, spotless, sinless Lamb of God. And you think about how radical that is. And he rose from the dead just like he said he would. He ascended into heaven just like he said he would. And he's going to come back just like he said he would. And there's eight times the amount of prophecies concerning his second coming. It's pretty exciting, guys. But this is one of those things we get to share with the world. Hey, this God is not just a blind faith a lot of people think that following God is blind it's not blind all you have to do is take five minutes and look into the claims of what God of the Bible has said You're like whoa you know what can't argue with this and that's why I think it's good for us in the ministry of reconciliation because we are living in a day and an age that are tolerant of everything well as long as you have yours yours good and I have mine you're good No, the truth is there's only one truth. Are you absolutely sure about that? Right there, yeah, absolutely. There is truth. There only can be one truth. So get people thinking, okay? And then in that, we challenge religion. And how do we do that? We do it biblically. What is God's religion? What does he care about? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 22 real quick. This is going to lead us into verse 20 and 21 here in 2 Corinthians 5. But I want to take a look at Matthew. We read this at prayer this morning together. Because there is something that is beautiful when we consider what the Bible speaks about concerning Jesus Christ dying upon a cross for our sins. Do you guys know like Psalm 22 was written 500 years before crucifixion was even invented? And it's a prophetic psalm talking about the Messiah dying upon a cross and crucifixion hadn't even been a thing yet. Okay, But God said, hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to die upon a cross for the sins of the world. Pretty cool, right? So as we consider the cross and we look to what Jesus has done to save us, again, Christianity is the only one about how God saves us. He tells us here, let's take a look at verse 34, when it comes to what religion really is. What does God really ask of us? And this is God speaking. we'll pick up a verse 34. First of all, it's these Pharisees. They heard uh, that he had silenced the Sadducees and they gathered together. and then one of them being a lawyer, he asked him a question to him saying, "Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And I love how Jesus answers, okay? He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and prophets. Now, I want to have that in mind as we consider now. You guys can look up on the screen, okay? We are called to be ambassadors for Christ. As though God was pleading through us, and we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, there is no reconciliation without the cross. Now, when we consider the cross, we see a vertical and a horizontal, right? And the Great Commandments, what? You love the Lord your God, okay? With all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is what we're called to do. And Jesus then adds, and the second is like it you need to love one another. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So, when we consider what God asks of us, there is a call. We love him and we love others. And how do we know what that type of love looks like? You look to the cross, guys. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You look to the cross. He loved us so much that he was willing to give his only son to die in our place. It's radical to think about. And to lay down one's life, to love others, to get over yourself, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay, You can't do that without a crucified life. And guys, this is where now we consider our call to be ambassadors is so important. Because we don't like that idea of being called into this type of ministry to be ambassadors. But when we have the cross set before us, if we are willing to deny ourselves, pick up our crosses, we're going to be willing to go. Just as Christ came into this world, we would be willing to go into the world. I want to share a few facts real quick about ambassadors. Ozzy shared a few last week. If you didn't catch the study, you can go there. But a few things that kind of hit me when you consider the ministry of reconciliation and being ambassadors in this world. Ambassadors spend their lives on foreign soil. Saint, where is your citizenship? In heaven, right? Philippians 3.20. This is not our home. We are called pilgrims. We're just passing through in this life. And that's why we don't hold tightly to the things of this life. Okay, there's a new way to live. It's no longer about gaining this and having that. It's not about the stuff anymore. And the stuff we do have in this life, we have a new mentality towards it because it's like, hey, how can I use that for the glory of God? So ambassadors, they spend their lives on foreign soil. They also are chosen to represent someone. Okay, It's not themselves. It doesn't show, hey, look at me. no. We're representing someone else. Ambassadors are protected. Okay, a nation will provide its ambassadors with everything they need. Okay, and stands ready to protect him. Ambassadors are held accountable. They must say what they are told to say. They don't get to just show up and say, hey, this is what I think. (laughs) No. We go preach the word, right? Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, teach them all the things I have said. That is what we're to go and share, what he has said. Ambassadors are also called home before war is declared. So God is yet to declare war on this world, but before he does, he's going to pull out his ambassadors. You guys understand the teaching of the rapture is very clear in Scripture. We are not appointed to wrath. He is going to come. The trump of God will sound, and he will say, come up here. This is when he gathers those who believe. Okay, and then after that, he's gonna come back. So, Christian, never forget whatever country or whatever piece of soil that God has placed you temporarily, first and foremost, you are a citizen of heaven. That's the greatest country, okay? And we don't forget that. We need to live in that reality with that eternal mindset. And we're storing up treasures where? in heaven, okay? We are just ambassadors. God has us here in Kekano. What do we do with that? Okay, some of you guys live outside of town. Some of you guys came from Greenville, Hortonville, a couple of you guys from Greenville today, from all over, okay? Why does God have you there? Why do you live in the house you live? Why do you go to the school you go to? Why do you have the job where you have the job? And God has placed you there to be an ambassador on his behalf, And we need to live with that mentality, to be on mission in that way. So, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God was pleading through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, I want to spend the remainder of our time looking at verse 21, which might be the coolest um, scripture in the New Testament this speaks of a doctrine or a theology that comes around Christ being our substitute. And what does that mean? Well, let's read the verse first. For he, speaking of God, made him Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now do you guys see why this is substitutionary doctrine? We know this to be true as Christians, or at least as Christians, we know it in part. Because I think we would all agree we know that God the Father made him, God the Son, Jesus, who knew no sin. Do you guys know that Jesus was sinless. He never sinned, not once. He came to be that perfect, sinless sacrifice. And think about it we got Christmas right around the corner, right? What was it like for Mary and Joseph to have Jesus as a child, the perfect child? You know, like we all sin. We all love our kids. We want the best for our kids, but we also know that they live in a very fallen world and they start growing up. And as a parent, you begin to worry a little bit, even though God says not to worry. We know what this world's like. We know how it can take people out and how messed up it really is. And here we have Jesus, who humbled himself, emptied himself, became like you and I, to live a life that you and I couldn't. He never once sinned, because he had to be a perfect substitute. It was only the spotless Lamb of God that could take away the sins of the world, guys. Not temporarily, to literally take them away, that we truly can be forgiven. And it tells us that he became sin for us. doesn't mean he sinned. He took the sins of the world upon himself. Think about that, guys. And I think as Christians, we all understand this truth, right? We get this. What I fear, as your pastor, I fear we don't get the second part of this. Because in this substitution, it doesn't just go the one way. It goes both ways. It tells us here that we... Those who've come to faith in Christ might become the righteousness of God in Him. How cool is this? That we, we we just read in verse 17, we're a new creation. Well, how is that possible? It's because of verse 21. It's because of what God has done. He took our place. You guys want to know how great Pastor Landon is? Look at the cross. That's what I deserve. That's my sin. Jesus took it all for us, guys. Do you understand that? But he's also given us life in him. And we should live a life that is expectant. We should live in such a way we know how the Father loved the Son how he favored the Son. You saints, if you are in Christ, born again of the Spirit of God, you are his. And we should live an expectant life and walk in the truths of being his kid. Just as Christ is seen by the Father, that's how he sees us. Even though we still fall and we falter and we sin still, we've been forgiven And he lavishes grace and love upon us. We have this mercy that is never ending with our God. It is a beautiful thing. And that gift, verse 21 here, is for anyone that receives Christ by faith. Again, it's nothing we can do. It's what Christ has done. The only thing we do is reject it or receive it. That is it. Either you say, yes, I believe, I repent, I turn from myself, my wrong thinking, and I'm turning to you. I'm saying yes to you, God. And then he gives us his Holy Spirit. Wow. To live a life, a crucified life, to love God vertically, to love our neighbors horizontally, how is that possible? How can I live such a life? It's only by the Spirit of the living God living within us, guys. And that's what God wants us to do is go live. Be ambassadors. Be ministers. What are ministers? The word minister literally means servant. Okay? If you want to be a minister, you're going to be a servant and have a heart and a goal of being a servant of all. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. He came to what? To serve. To serve. That's what he's done, to seek the lost and to serve. Are we seeking the lost? Are we being intentional with the ministry of reconciliation? Are we going to our loved ones, to our neighbors? We need to be. And how are we going to do that? It's by being yielded to the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit in us and through us, guys, is going to be shining. Didn't we read in chapter 3 where the fragrance of Christ, wherever we go, To those who have life, it's just going to encourage them. To those who are perishing, they're not going to like our fragrance as Christians. But we keep sharing. We keep loving people. We keep telling them about Jesus. So I want to encourage you guys. In light of this passage of scripture, there's something that's really cool about bees. If they find the sweet stuff, you know what they do? They go tell everybody about it. They don't try to keep it to themselves. They go tell everybody, look what, I I found it. Found the good stuff. You need to come. See for yourself. Come get some for yourself. And that's what we do with Jesus, isn't it? We testify. God's been good to me. He saved me. He died for me. And you know what? He died for you too. And he wants relationship with you too. And if you will bow your knee and say yes to him, You will have eternal life. Your sins will be forgiven. And isn't that what the world's looking for? Is the forgiveness of sins. And that's what I love about what God has revealed to us. I love the truth of the gospel that it's not us. This is what God has done for us because he loves us. Will you receive it or not? What a blessed hope we have what good news we have to share with the world. Can we close them just praying for boldness to do so? Sound good? Well, Father, we thank you so much for the truth of this passage of Scripture this morning. God, I sense your Spirit has been stirring our hearts. We want to be those who are shining well for you, who are not ashamed of the gospel, because we know that it is the power of God unto salvation for any, no matter how sinful. God, you are able to save to the uttermost. And we thank you for that. And I do want to pray for each and every one of us that you'd help us to be bold in our faith, to speak truth the way you've told us to do that, and that is in love. We know that we need your spirit to do that well. So, would you fill us up afresh? Give us opportunities to share with others. We thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the partnership that you've called us into. God, there is work to be done. And we, as the church, you've asked us, Lord, is, um, really to be living epistles. We're living stones. Do you not know that you are the temple of the living God? Would you shine through us and use us for your glory? And Holy Spirit, for those that might be listening and hearing the truth of the gospel and are still in rebellion to you, God, may you open their eyes. Help them to truly see how much you love them, Jesus, and what great lengths you went to, that they could be forgiven, to be set free to come into life abundantly in you, Jesus. We thank you for the new creation that you've made us. We do pray that you'd help us to walk in that newness of life, to pick up our crosses, to follow you well. God, you truly deserve the reward of your sufferings. Thank you for your great love. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Cool. Love you guys. Encourage you again. Check out chapter 6. That's already up online. Thanks again, Ozzy, for bringing the word last week. That was really good.